You are the master of your reality. This is even more true in relation to the government. Democracy doesn't just happen. It takes participation. Governments need participation and feedback from their citizens. Join Rob Hutchinson for Dear Parliament, where you get to understand the issues and engage directly with government. Dear Parliament is every Wednesday at midday, only on 101.9 High FM. Uh, Jan Vermeulen from My Broadband is going to chat to us about a rather interesting proposal put forward by the state where the state plans to launch their own cloud computing mega network to compete with the likes of Amazon, Microsoft and so on. It's really, it's, well, it's sounds rather interesting. Let me tell you, I've been reading through through the policy here, and there are some major concerns about, in in my opinion, data privacy, reliability, um, at time, how this is going to be controlled, and the costs involved in, in setting all this up. Good afternoon, Jan. I trust you are well. Good afternoon, Rob, indeed. And uh, it's been, just this past week has been a big uh, a big one for for government policy on technology and uh, and regulations and so on. So it's great to be chatting to you about it. Yes, indeed it has. Thanks, Jan. Yeah, as you as you know, we run the public participation network, dear, dear South Africa and we put out these proposals for public comment. So what we hoping to do here is give people an insight or more knowledge on what is actually going on with these, as you say, many proposals that have, that have been put forward uh, lately. And it raises the question as to why is the state trying to consolidate everything into one massive cloud network when we've seen failures in so many state-owned entities, including uh, es- lately ESCOM, uh, SAP systems that have been destroyed, and, and so on. What, what is the idea behind this? Right. So the idea to merge broadband infraco and Centec is not a new one. Uh, it's at least 10 years old. So for folks who don't know, broadband infraco is a fiber infrastructure company that has a national backhaul network that it kind of inherited inherited from the old Transtel uh, uh, state-owned entity. And uh, and so the, the plan there was for the state to offer a competitor to basically only telecom at the time. And uh, it was also kind of spun off for Neotel uh, to be able to effectively compete against telecom. And uh, and uh, it was just a dismal failure. Centec, um, uh, or, or rather, rather, let's frame that uh, um, in a more nuanced way. Broadband Infraco has just not been able to make money, despite being handed infrastructure to make money with. Centec um, is a signal distributor, so they they focus on wireless. Uh, so if you think of Broadband Infraco as focusing on fixed line and Centec uh, focusing on wireless then by combining the two, you've got one fixed and wireless uh, provider. But it's not that simple because Centec is not a cellular network builder. They they have been providing our terrestrial TV signals. Um, and, and, you know, whenever Centec tries to segue into telecommunications, it fails as well. And so the, the biggest example uh, there is probably Centec My Wireless, which was supposed to offer a wireless alternative to telecom ADSL, uncapped, uh, no fair use policy, all that stuff. It was grand for the few months that it worked, and, and then it collapsed under its own weight 
um, and Sentec was just not able to keep up with uh, uh, with the, the, the complaints and uh, and with the retail side of the business. And so, you know, I want to say as long as government learns from its mistakes, but I have seen no evidence that they will. Um, and, and, and that's, that's just one part of the, of the issue here. The, the other part of the thing is, okay, so now we've got one state owned infrastructure company. Now what government also wants to do is consolidate the resources at the CSIR, at CETA and elsewhere into, uh, and, and they specifically mentioned the CSIR high, high performance computing center into one cloud mega network effectively one like a, a big cloud provider that now is is meant to provide cloud services to the government and the the, the I, some of the ideas here are noble uh, and that includes data sovereignty so that south africa is in control of the critical data of the government and its citizens rather than trusting um multinationals like microsoft or Amazon or Google or, or even, um, uh, you know, some of our allies or uh, I say allies, but, you know, uh, some of the some of the other countries that we that we cozy up to, like uh, like Huawei in China, which also has and, and Alibaba, which also uh, are, are trying to offer cloud services to compete with the likes of Amazon and Microsoft. But um, uh, so, so that that part of it, I understand. And it's almost noble. But what's puzzling to me is that uh, one of the things that, that that is puzzling to me in this policy is that government uh, uh, then in the self-same document says that, you know, they, they don't think much of the, the dominance of the cloud space by a handful of companies without naming them. But we know which which companies those are. Those companies are Amazon, Amazon Web Services, Microsoft with Azure. And Google with Google Cloud Platform, sure. and then uh, a handful of others that bring up the rear, and and so it's in the policy document. It talks about uh, um, basically uh, making changes to competition law to deal with this uh, this oligopoly or this uh, or this cabal of uh, of cloud providers around the world. <laughs> but in the same document government talks about setting up its own its monopoly, own monopoly. like yeah. consolidating its power to set up a, a, a monopoly cloud provider for, for government purposes. And so I sometimes wonder if our government has any self-awareness at all. No, definitely they don't. I think we know that for, for a fact. But that, that does seem to be the trend in, in all government operations now is they ignore their own uh, monopolistic op op approach to everything. And try and destroy the the existing businesses and infrastructure that that may be there. It, what a terrifying thought! It it doesn't make any sense to to any sane person as to why government would take on such a massive project when existing systems and proven systems actually do do exist. They it, it only, and, and, yeah. It only to, to interrupt you for sorry yeah. uh, to 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 build on that idea. Um, sorry to interrupt you is exactly that. A government might find far greater success empowering local, because it talks a great deal in its whole anti-competitive spiel about, um, about Amazon and, and Microsoft and Google, um, about empowering South African smaller businesses of holding their own against these global, um, uh, you know, multinational mega networks. So um, rather than government consolidating its power and building its own cloud 
uh, company, why not empower these smaller providers that you or that you uh, pay lip service to, to wanting to support the, the, the local hosting and cloud industry and and um, empower them to provide government with these services. Uh, like if, if, if a company has a substantial government contract, a, a cloud and hosting provider, you know, and has government as an anchor tenant, that might give them the security to, to start building out infrastructure to, to at least be, um, you know, somewhat competitive mm, with exactly. the likes of Amazon. And because as it stands now, like if you want a, a server that's locally hosted, you go to a local hosting company. But if you want cloud stuff, there's, there's no, nothing for you in South Africa. You have no choice but to look overseas. And so if you want to foster that kind of development and innovation in South Africa, then put your money where your mouth is instead of trying to consolidate power into a government mega network. I totally, totally agree. And, it, you know, Amazon just made a massive announcement recently that they opened up three new data centers in, in South Africa to address that exact issue. And here we have government saying, well, hang on, that, that, those billions that you just invested, we might, we might be taking over your infrastructure or kicking it out and, and, uh, developing our own in competition with you. That, that to me does not sound like great investment or, good governance practice in, in any way whatsoever if you want to grow grow an economy or invite investors in. Mercifully, South Africa is just an entry point uh, for, for Amazon and them. So uh, we, we uh, have the privilege and benefit of uh, or are in the privileged position in South Africa that we can offer the quality of work and services and, and competency and skills in South Africa that Amazon and Microsoft need at their data centers to roll out here. But the end game here, or rather the target, is not South Africa. The market here is too small. Mm. This is an entry point for those companies into the rest of the continent. And so um, if other countries at any point start offering comparable services further north, then our local data center businesses might face pressure. So, um, you know, Liquid Telecom is in, is in the fortunate position that it's already pan-African. Mm. But uh, I would imagine that our local data center operators would also uh, be looking at taking their businesses uh, and expanding them outside of uh, purely South Africa to address that need. And so, um, yeah, uh, like uh, what I, what I want to say there is that um, – you know, even though the South African government, um, you know, might be undermining uh, part of that investment, that that is not the, the, the target that's in Amazon and Microsoft sites. Mm. But undermined too far, they might just take their business um, uh, up north, north into the, in, you know, and uh, and we would uh, lose out, out there as a country. We mm. have top-notch data center companies in, in this country, and it is um, one area of tech innovation where South Africa is swimming with a big fish. Definitely. And you, mm. you don't want to undermine that. While our, our hosting companies are not offering, uh, you know, comparable cloud services to the likes of Amazon and, and Microsoft by a long stretch, our, our, uh, our data center companies um, are really prosperous. And um, uh, if I were the government, I would do whatever, I, I would look at areas where we are succeeding like that and make sure that you empower those sectors of the industry to, to, to succeed even better and employ even more people 
um, and build on that success to then, you know, if, if you have cloud ambitions, we have top-notch, world-class data center capability in this country already. So you build on that success and you take the next step to what's necessary to, to um, have viable cloud contenders. And the next step, you don't just drop into competing against Amazon and Microsoft and think you're going to make a go of it. You, <laughs> you, you need to take a, a long view, one that spans multiple administrations even, um, to, to put that kind of innovation in place. And, and unfortunately, um, you know, that kind of long-term thinking wasn't in place before the COVID pandemic, and it certainly isn't <laughs> in place now. Definitely isn't, which brings into question as to why why government is actually doing this or undertaking such a significant project. This uh, the policy doesn't talk about costs, but we can only imagine what the the significant costs to the taxpayer would be in, in undertaking such a project. But that's right. beside the point. You know, government will always find a way to to fund these things, and it'll always be be at our expense. What's of most concern to, to me, and I'm sure any listener out there, is the security of, of data. Do I want to place my entire business, its technology, its, its IP, and everything in the hands of a government-controlled cloud infrastructure? Yeah, exactly. And, uh, and I think most businesses would say, you know what, I'm going to go with the companies that have a, a track record. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, and any interference in that. So, so here's, uh, I don't know, I don't, you know, like I haven't had a chance to chat to folks in government in a while, but looking at policies like this, it really does seem as if government lives in a bubble. Like <laughs> they, mm-hmm. like they live under the delusion that they can decree a thing and it will happen. Yes. Um, when in fact all that will happen is, businesses that rely on this kind of infrastructure and these are these are innovators these are companies that innovate right that 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 um that use technology like this and those innovators will simply hop over the border incorporate in mauritius the seychelles incorporate anywhere but in south africa um we've already started seeing that in blockchain companies um you know, Luno uh, has has uh, e- effectively moved its financial operations to London um, over regulatory uncertainty. So it's not over this technology stuff, but policy and regulation and and all that stuff that government is responsible for mm-hmm. is driving businesses away, despite mm-hmm. every effort on their part to stay here. And the the more entrepreneurs I speak to, the the more one entrepreneur. This was years ago, though, for something totally unrelated. It had to do with exchange controls. But, uh, you know, it's, it's all within the regulatory umbrella. And, uh, and one entrepreneur even told me that you would have to be utterly irresponsible to incorporate your tech company in South Africa now mm-hmm. because, because mm-hmm. of the, the various regulatory problems that they've run into. Wow. Um, and, and government needs to, needs to um, reverse that. Without a doubt, um, if, yeah. If you want to create sustainable jobs, that happens. Uh, it, it doesn't help you just pander to the multi to the multinationals. And in this case, they're not even doing that. They're, they're actually throwing down the gauntlet at a multinational. So, um, but you know, a lot of South Africa's foreign direct investment strategy seems to focus on like Fortune 500 companies and stuff like that, yes. rather than on fostering small business growth and innovation and 
playing to South Africa's strengths, rather being effectively reliant on handouts from uh, yeah. from from corporate America and and uh, multinational businesses, and um, like I, it, it puzzles me that they don't see that. Um, <laughs> you know, when when you have such an aversion and hatred for the West, yes. and yet everything you do makes you know like uh, makes it so that we are more and more dependent on the the vile capitalists exactly. in the west you know exactly like uh, and then then you do everything then so like on with the one with the well, one side of your mouth you you want to attract foreign direct investment and then with the other side of the mouth you want to undermine the very <laughs> structures that has made that foreign direct investment possible um you know you know i'm talking like uh, larger scale stuff you know uh, capitalism mm -hmm. free markets and so on Definitely. um it, it like the 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 that cognitive dissonance and and the hypocrisy just <laughs> makes no sense to me it's astounding it's it's, it's exactly I, I just made a few notes here and it's exactly that it's a conflict between political ideology versus sustainable uh, economic policies you you can have one or you can have the other and our, our government wants wants both but unfortunately that's not going to happen you've got to you've got to choose one because uh, the current political ideology is very counterproductive towards um, uh, strong economic growth because it shuns it shuns the very existence of these 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 big tech companies and so on and tries to make states in control all of that and we know how state controlled or, or owned businesses tend to tend to dissolve and and end up yeah we're just going to take a, a quick break and then we'll come right back to you on this fascinating fascinating discussion you are listening to Dear Parliament with Rob Hutchinson, because democracy doesn't just happen. Hey, welcome back to 101.9 High FM. We're chatting with Jan Vermeulen about the rather concerning plans of the state to launch their own cloud computing mega network. Now, Jan, we were chatting earlier on about uh, political ideology versus actual real world business orientated initiatives um, and another thing which which I saw you write about recently is the government contract to supply a um, data services or cell phone services at a reduced rate to government employees. Indeed. Uh, so this shows, uh, I think, illustrates beautifully the the buying power that you that you get um, through, or, or, or what purchasing power does. Um, how much a price can be driven down through through just purchasing power. And so, something we underestimate in South Africa, with regards to what causes our mobile prices to be where they're at, is the fact that the vast majority of South Africans can barely afford the cost to communicate. They subsist on five rand here, 10 rand there, um, you know, maybe five rand, uh, you know, they'll, they'll load five rand a day or, or whatever. Um, you know, South Africa's poorest would uh, is have to operate very frugally with their mobile data, you know, turn it on, check their WhatsApps, turn it off again to make sure their phone doesn't eat up all their data in, their, in the background. And, um, you know, whereas in uh, more mature economies uh, that, that, we, that we often like to compare South Africa to, um, like the United States, like the UK, New Zealand, Australia, uh, pick your poison, um, 
the the vast majority are actually on contracts and they are paying a a set rate per month you know ranging from 20 US dollars to 50 US dollars now what this shows me in effect is that if we if we can grow South Africa's economy where um even with our a handful of people like India is able to offer the prices to its people that it can, but it has a billion people um, to, to work, to work as a, as a customer base right now, even with the, the extremely small customer base we've got here in South Africa for our mobile networks, you, you look at just government employees and the, they, the purchasing power they have. If a mobile network can build a business plan, knowing that they are getting a minimum of 250 Rand, 300 Rand a month, from each subscriber, all of a sudden, the costs come plummeting down. And so, um, yeah, I mean, as unfair as it feels, uh, you know, looking at those prices and seeing how government employees are going to get these preferential rates uh, compared to compared to the rest of us, um, the 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 thing is that you know it, it does illustrate what what purchasing power does and what's possible. Mm-hmm. Um, if there were if there were just the political will to make it possible for the rest of the country, absolutely. Um, yeah, we've seen so, we've yeah. seen that fees must fall and and so on. That uh, cell phone or data must fall. Uh, this just doesn't seem to have any effect. But when when government wants to reduce their costs, they seem to prioritize their themselves first. Although it still does impact the taxpayer. I mean, we we paying for this at the end of the day anyway. So. Uh, but, but it does, does bring you to question yeah, quite a yeah. few things there. Yeah, yeah, and and so the thing is, I'm 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 not I'm not opposed to like while as I say this, you know, the, like immediately, you know, your hackles rise when you see something like this. Um, the the thing is, I, like prin- principally, I'm not I'm not opposed to a, a deal like this as long as it's not corrupt. Right. And so as long as there was no corruption involved in, in getting a contract like this through and, and it certainly seems like um, each one of our mobile network operators got a slice of the pie here. Um, and so uh, that's a good thing as well. Um, uh, the, the 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 thing is, it, it speaks to a larger issue like it's it's incredibly difficult for government to to go and negotiate retail data prices with um, South Africa's mobile network operators um, when it can't guarantee a minimum level of, of income, right? A, a minimum spend from each subscriber, um, uh, you know, the, 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 because of how poor people are. And so it certainly, I think, illustrates the point that a lot of economists would make in that you could solve so many of South Africa's ills if you simply... If you if you just dropped all of the other stuff and focused purely on growing the economy, you grow the economy, you 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 turn the poor into the middle class, you turn the middle class into a a, a um, an upper middle class or a wealthy class, you enrich everybody up the stack, and then uh, you know the the all of a sudden the mobile network operators can ch- can change their underlying business model entirely. And make everything more affordable. So the, the the way to data must fall and fees must fall is general financial prosperity, which obviously doesn't solve anybody's problem today, right? Fact, that, yeah. We're talking about something that that will take ten to fifteen years to fix. 
but it's like um you know th- th- that that should be government's function is to is to put the long-term stuff in place to make sure that the the ills that we experience now are not forever and it's not like you know a, a, a protest every single year about the same thing that that there's slow and steady progress being made um you know like the the solution to or a solution to fees must fall um is to just have uh tertiary education uh just have more people be able to participate right exactly um like the more people you have um that can that can uh, buy a service at a certain minimum amount the lower the overall cost becomes for everybody and the only way to do that is through general prosperity and Definitely. and uh, now now that said i wanted to make a point to to uh, i do want to make a, a a contrary point where uh, regulation cuts both ways so we we're talking in south africa where the overwhelming um uh, philosophical and political view is is quite socialist mm-hmm. um and and uh the anti-business sentiment and the anti-capitalist sentiment that comes from that being quite damaging to the south african economy now the flip side of that is in the united states where capitalism has run rampant you also mm-hmm. can't ignore the fact that uh even the us government has to step in and look at facebook and amazon and uh and to a lesser extent nowadays microsoft um and and other multinationals vertically integrated monstrosities of companies and look at hang on a second are these companies getting too too big for their own boots is yeah. it necessary to 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 you know go back to um to to uh, old roosevelt's roots and bust <laughs> some trusts right yeah. um and so uh, like uh, the, your your um, you made a point much earlier on regarding political ideology meeting uh economic realities right yeah. and that that cuts both ways in south africa um it it cuts the way that we've spoken now where where the the anti-business sentiment in our government need, like needs addressing and in the united states the opposite to to some extent holds um and so where you know you see you know the 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 callousness with which facebook has handled people's private information um and uh and and that sort of stuff needs to be addressed as well but yeah. uh like uh, you know while south africa can have a say at that table you know through we've got popia for example so if facebook causes the leak of the data of south africans then we can hold them responsible to the extent of something like popia right yeah. um and 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 we can we can participate in that sort of global conversation with the eu and us regulators to go yeah you know these companies which are incorporated in the united states and are us companies and employ us citizens mostly and so on and so forth need to be addressed in these in these ways but ultimately we need to also just l- look in our own backyard and fix that stuff first absolutely um, yeah. um so yeah so i just wanted to leave that out there so that it's not just uh, no, one, one or the other political ideology political extremes in general can cause problems when it comes they, to business they definitely definitely can yeah we're going to take a, a quick break there and then we'll wrap up our conversation which is a fascinating conversation you are listening to Dear Parliament with Rob Hutchinson because democracy doesn't just happen. 
Hey, welcome back to 101.9 Chai FM. We're having a wonderful chat with Jan Vermeulen, uh, editor-at-large of My Broadband. Yeah, My Broadband provides a wonderful in-depth analysis of new amendment bills uh, or changes in, in legislation, which we often make use of in our participation campaigns at dsouthafrica.co.za. And it is extremely important to participate in in these these policy amendments as such. Jan, any final words before we wrap up? <laughs> no, I think uh, I think we've done this topic justice. Thank you very much for the for the long segment. Um, yeah, there's uh, there's there's there was a lot to discuss here, and I and I think we've we've done well. Um, uh, yeah, I, I mean, there's there's uh, many other things that have come out of. Um, uh, the, the the government recently with regards to technology policy and regulation. So, for example, ICASA has passed regulations that, mm. um, you know, it wants to uh, monitor the real pricing of Vodacom and MTN to make sure that it is not selling, uh, it, is, it doesn't have lower retail prices than it does wholesale prices. So, you know, we're, we're looking, you know, looking at this uh, government contract, for example, um, where the the wholesale rate being provided to government is nice and low, uh, would not run afoul of that. Um, but uh, but certainly uh, it'll be interesting. Like what they said, they want to avoid them. Uh, they want to deal with margin squeeze, which or, or monitor for margin squeeze, which the Competition Commission said it will prosecute. And so they want to make sure that uh, or one of the things that they're monitoring is to make sure that Vodacom and MTN doesn't fleece South Africans uh, in that regard. Um, so there's, there's those regulations out. There's the um, spectrum auction still coming down the pike. Uh, so yeah, there's there's a lot still happening, and it's gonna it's gonna impact us all. And I love your tagline. Um, you know, the, the democracy it, it doesn't just happen. Um, it it, uh, it it and the more people I think start participating in South Africa rather than um, just waiting for somebody else to step up. Exactly. Um, like we can achieve a lot more through collective effort than hoping for a hero to, to, to yes. step up and, and, uh, and save us all. That's exactly it. The, the hero is, in fact, the participant who takes time and effort to actually have a say. And the beauty of it is that it, it's, it's before the policy is implemented. So it actually does carry impact because undoing policy is an almost impossibility once it's yes. gone through, through all the processes. So getting involved in draft policy and amendments definitely, definitely does carry impact and is protected under law as well. Jan, it's been absolutely wonderful. Um, I think we should make a regular show out of this. <laughs> there's just so much to chat about. That, and every week there's new policy coming out, which does affect us all. But thank you, Jan. We shall definitely, definitely chat very soon. Thanks very much. It was much. my pleasure. Have a great afternoon.